Yo, hey. how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good. It's a. Uh, I have one question for you. Yeah, I have one question for you. Sure. Is Justin Trudeau the luckiest man in Canada? <laughs> what makes you say that? I'm, the goddamn uh, the the like the 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 Jews of the Old Testament. The Canadian truckers surrounded the walls of Trudeau, hoping their horns would bring them down. And the only thing they've seemed to accomplish is the like the end of uh, Aaron O'Toole's term, which is very very funny. He just gets to hang out at his cottage while Aaron O'Toole loses his job. Um, he just he, he keeps getting away with it. I don't know, man. Like on the one hand, uh, on the one hand, I, I wouldn't want to be Aaron O'Toole right now. I don't even know why the hell Aaron O'Toole lost his job. On the other hand, because uh, Trudeau, like, I think he has to know that his days are numbered. Like the the thing is, like no, there's. We can't recall. We can't do a recall election right now. The only way that Justin Trudeau can get "quote unquote" recalled is if, um, like one of the minority parties was to trigger a vote of no confidence. Mm-hmm. So right now he's safe, but I think that uh, people's trust in his leadership right now is fairly low. I haven't seen actually. Have you seen polls? Uh, have there been any polls lately? I think the last time I looked, both the Conservatives and the Liberals were like below thirty percent. But my, th- I think it's just the Trudeau is just waiting for a time when the landing area is calm enough for, uh, for the his deputy prime minister, the lady in waiting, to come and take his place. I think that's that's just the the natural progression of things. Christian uh, Freeland to become leader of the Liberal Party and then yeah, prime so, minister. So yeah, Christian Freeland is basically getting uh, essentially groomed to take over his uh, his leadership position. So. Man, I, I don't even know. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I think that uh, there will be like uh, essentially like a coronation for Christian Freeland as well, and all the opposition parties are going to say there will be no coronation and so on and so on. And that uh, you know, if we if we're not confident in her abilities as prime minister, we are going to go ahead and trigger a vote. They're going to try and extract conf- or concessions. Um, whoever ends up taking over for Aaron O'Toole, I highly suspect that uh the leading candidate is going to be um Pierre Polyevra whatever the little attack dog the kid <laughs> yeah he's you know, a bit of a chihuahua but yeah I, I have a high confidence that he will throw his hat into the ring and you know will essentially try to pander to the same crowd the same way that um Andrew Shearer tried to pander to the yellow best crowd and is going to end up getting washed for it. Oh my god. I just oh just kept polling Canada oh just rubbing salts in the wounds. They spent a Less CBT leader. Than Rona Ambrose? Yep, yep, yep. By like oh. <laughs> That's painful, dog. That is painful. Cuz I went I went to here looking for the polling and I saw that I'm like, "Oh, someone at polling Canada doesn't like Aaron." Cuz they even put the asterisk she was interim leader and she lasted longer than him. Oh my god. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, uh yeah. so oh no, this is Ontario, never mind. But it's yeah, it's it's not looking good. I, I, like I think that is the it's gonna be probably Pierre, I would say, would be my that would be where my money would be on who's gonna be the next interim leader because right. I don't think the interim leader can run for the actual leader is in like in the in an election. I think that's under their like their the rules under their party. Yeah. 
So I think that's why Pierre would make a good fit because he's a great attack dog while they find someone more like palatable. But they're definitely no. There's I think the whole like centrist, uh, progressive, conservative experiment might be well and truly over. And I also have the polling averages here. It's LPC at 30.7%, CPC 30.3%. Yeah. So it's it's not looking good for anybody, really. This has got to be, like, one of the most depressing periods in Canadian politics in my entire lifetime. I can't think of a time where anybody was just, like, less excited to be involved in Canadian politics at all. No, it's... it. It sucks. It's like Canadian politics is not exactly super uh, flashy or exciting or uh, like it's not as uh, there's not as many like politicians slash celebrities in Canadian politics. There's not it's not so much pop culture as it is in American politics. But this is definitely a low point, even setting that far. Like where it's it's it sucks. It sucks because it's just that's what I, why I made the joke about Trudeau. He's just he's just skating through it. He like the the bar is set so low that he can just skate through with these minorities because there's just no one really to challenge him. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what what uh, where do where do they really go from here is the question. I'm not really sure what to the right the emergency uh, vote to go O'Toole overboard. I'm not really sure what that was intended to accomplish because. I'm not sure why now makes sense as a, as, as a strategic moment to get rid of the party leader. There was one comment, I think I was like, because I was listening. Well, I was listening to the coverage and it was like uh, one guy said they weren't going to go for a tool unless they knew that they had him. So I think it's just, it's not about strategy. They just finally knew they had the numbers to make this sort of like, I don't want to call it, say palace coup. I almost used a very, like, a, a hated cliche that I even don't like, but yeah, to just get them out of there. Cause they knew they have the numbers and uh, all of the, I think they maybe thought the attention is off them because of the, the protests in like right on their doorstep, which is funny. Cause they're even like, they're talking about Trudeau's or uh, O'Toole's like being hoisted from the party while the horns for the protests to get Trudeau out of like to, bring down Trudeau's government are blaring in the background. So it's just, it's a wild time to be in Ottawa right now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, and how is it by the way? Like, I know that you're not in the downtown core, but, uh, how are you finding it generally? It's I'm, I'm so blessed to not be in the downtown core that like they, they just had the, uh, the chief of the auto police was doing a briefing with, um, city council, Ottawa. And he basically said, I, I don't think there's a policing resolution to this, which is just being like, I don't know. I can't, don't look at us. We can't, we can't do this, which I'm like, if you wanted to, if you wanted to get them out of there, the police wanted them out of there, they could get them out of there. Yeah. It's a will thing. And it's like, it's all of the counselors just pleading with them to do something. And it, Cause it's, it's, they're not just in the downtown core anymore. They're going up and cause there's a lot of residential areas down there too that they're just driving the trucks up and down. There's one video of like two old ladies who just stood in their like one way street with houses all around them. And they just refused to move out of the street. And like, they're getting accosted by truckers and stuff. Something really quickly. Can I show you? Yes, please. Because the G20 protests were only 11 years ago, Uh, not not even 11 Mm -hmm. years ago, right? They're they're, uh, It'll be 11 years. This was it June, July, July. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's have a look at what it was like for people 
who participated in the G20 protests. Let's, uh, yeah, one second. I mean, we don't, I, like, while you're pulling that up, I'd like, yeah. It's just they're it, like it's it's a completely di when there's a will, yep. there's a way. Is the is and you can the, the, you don't even have to go back to the G20 protests. This was this summer, this is in Toronto this summer, yep. at the the encampment protests. Yeah, that that I this person I don't want to I, I I don't know who who it is so I don't want to guess the gender but this person had their arm broke their arm got broken by this police officer. So it, it's they've they've just and they're saying they don't want to uh, to spark a riot riot or inflame tensions and stuff. It's just I don't know. They're they're usually pretty prepared. Any other time there's been a riot, and they haven't been worried about that before. Yeah, yeah, I know. So if you're um, if you're trying to defend uh, unhoused people, you're. I don't even like saying that. I don't know. Should. What's what's the proper nomenclature here? Is it unhoused or homeless? I don't like saying unhoused. I think well, the the in house rule we've come up with in the papers we do uh, unhoused people because there there are there's like because it's it's sort of like homeless means that they don't have a home. Okay. And more unhoused is more just they right now or unsheltered is another good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, someone exper experiencing like. Yeah, so it's it, it's. I feel like whichever one you're comfortable with, it's because I, I like for, I, everybody deserves to have room board. Like they should, everybody should have shelter, right? Mm -hmm. So I know that like unsheltered is one thing, but when you say unsheltered, like unsheltered can also apply to somebody who's like stuck outdoors because of like an inclement weather event or something like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, like if you don't have a place to lay your head, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and the, also the, the un, unhoused and unsheltered also leaves out that there's a lot of people who have full-time jobs and they don't have their own house per se, but they're like yeah. couch surfing or they like, they're finding different places to sleep at night. They're not on like out on the street, but they're still homeless. Like if, you're, if you're couch surfing, you're, yeah. you're homeless. Like if you're staying in a shelter because you, you don't have like an apartment to go back to or a rental home, you're, you're still homeless, but whatever go with like it's there's always like the the uh like you just try to go with the, the most like benign sort of nomenclature unless you're talking to a person in that situation and you go okay what's the what is your terminology and then you just use that in that like so uh randy's in chat she's like when she was squatting she said homeless but like that's so if i was speaking to her and interviewing about that that would be how i would that would be the the terminology i was i would yeah, use but yeah yeah and I it's it's yeah. That's sort of how it goes in like newspapers and whatnot, but I just I don't know. I find it I find it a bit yeah. awkward. Anyway, it's it is awkward in just like regular conversation for sure. Yeah. My that being uh. Said, that being said, like if you're if you're either homeless yourself or you're standing up 
for homeless people um, because the police are trying to kick them out of a park, which is the only place that they can actually find a place to lay their heads. Uh, and they want the, the police want to evict them um, from the park because it it looks unsightly to uh, petty bourgeois passersby. It looks unsightly to the forest hill crowd. But yeah, absolutely. Like police can show force. Uh, they can rush in and you know force people to the ground, pepper spray them, uh, literally like pull people out of their wheelchairs. Like that's that's not a problem. But yeah, when people are actually causing a like a mass disturbance, so that such that people, working class people, by the way, that are dressed trying to get up on time so that they can go to fucking work, uh, and now that's that's a bridge too far yeah every and every single justification they use to clear out those encampments applies with this protest capitol hill is like a, is a public space and they're depriving that of like the whatever the general public or the general cleanliness of it people are afraid to walk downtown people are being harassed coming home from their job because they're still wearing their mask or even come from their job like they're leaving the gym and like, especially if you're if you're a woman walking home alone, that's and it's there. When I was watching the uh, the the city council meeting, they're talking about it like there was a uh, a, a some sort of a climate disaster. There was a, like a hurricane or tsunami. That's what the, that like those sort of press conferences were talking about how to get like resources and supplies and uh, medication to people living downtown because like roads are blocked off or they're one way or people are scared to leave their homes it's 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 not the word they were using which i think was a kind of act was they're calling it an occupation rather than a protest this was the uh, city councilors by the way the uh the police were sort of just saying there's not much we can do we're we're going to enforce the very obvious crimes that are like being broken and, and are reported but they're they're telling citizens not to wear masks downtown the police are the police are t- Why? let me see if i can find this so a specific so that they don't agitate the truckers yeah this was not at the oh, the Jesus protest but Christ. there was reports that that like when it was uh like this there's a woman walking home from her her gym she was still wearing the mask from inside the gym so she's wearing the mask on the walk home and she's getting like violently threatened and harassed and violently sexually harassed and like uh, it's just like dude saying, I'm going to come back there and take off more than that mask if, if I have to come back here sort of thing. Um, and the like when they call, oh God, why is it so far down? But they're calling the uh, auto police that they're, uh, yeah. When I called the non-emergency line, they said, we are aware these are, uh, there are threats being made to those wearing masks. Our recommendation, recommendation is not to wear them outside until demonstrations can be removed from the core. At the same time, the police are saying, we don't know when we're going to be able to remove these demonstrations from the core and also uh they don't like that it's it's probably going to still be here by next weekend and it'll start to kick up again because people will have time off work and it'll become a goddamn uh street party again yeah um sorry Stu, can you hear me yeah no i can hear you okay so uh give me one second because apparently there are some audio issues on of course, there's audio issues on my side. Why would, why would there yeah. not be audio issues on my side? I'm just going to fix something well, real quick. Yeah, well, while you're playing, I'll show just like, this is what it was like, uh, I think, last night in uh, Centertown. Okay. 
it's 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 it, it, it does occupation does kind of start to feel like the right word. Oh wait, did I share the audio? Damn it, I did. One second, guys. It it would be the Canuckcast stream if we didn't have audio issues and just issues in general. But it like they have it's cars blocking everywhere and they're coal rolling themselves. They're all going to come out of this protest with black lung. That's the funniest part. Because they're just sitting on the, like, if, if you're just on the audio and column where you can't see this, it's just, like, three trucks wide filling, uh, I think this is Elgin Street in Ottawa. They're all in the back of the pickup trucks, just hanging out, while the people inside the pickup trucks are just revving the engine. So all of the exhaust is just going, wafting up into the, like, lungs of the protesters and obviously everyone who might, like, happen to be nearby. This particular road isn't uh, very residential, but there's like one block down it's residential. So it's, it's, I, I don't know how this is going to, I thought hopefully maybe by today, if by today it might've died down completely because they had gone back to work or something or it got too cold, but if they're still hanging out by Wednesdays, if they can make it to Friday, they're here for another at least three days. But I'm just, is there, uh, I see there's like two, pe- two people listening. There's, does anyone want to jump in, ask some questions? I was down there all Saturday. So if anyone wants to ask what it was like, uh, I'm free to answer those questions. Also, I think the mall's still closed. So anyone who has a job in the mall, um, they can't go to work. Um, yeah, it's, it's speechless. I don't know what, how this is going to end. You, the hope, my main hope, like I said, was that it would fizzle out, but it's sort of it's reached sort of like a a, a stasis level where they can just continue. I don't know, like what would make them leave, like except for just a heavy show of like police presence, being like, okay, now it's time for you to leave. But other than that, uh, how many visible left elements did I see, see down there? I saw one lady with green hair who had a sign that she said she was Antifa for uh, the truckers, but visibly left elements didn't see basically any, uh, even like counter protest wise. And there was no counter protest really. Um, I mean, I'm sh- like, I'm sure there were, if you like, if I did like a tally of people down there, um that uh this is a youtube comment just so we can see it from twitch in case anyone else was down there but uh if you did like a tally maybe you'd see more leftists but from what uh msn focused on the more rightist elements but did see some first name yeah that okay so uh like i don't want to paint too broad a brush and say that all indigenous people are leftists because i don't know if that's true uh because i'm pretty sure they just have uh range of political opinions but i did see uh like a, a, a like a recognizable number of uh indigenous folks down there there was there's was like a truck that had like the whole bottom of the truck was painted with the orange like uh paint stuff of the um every child matters stuff and then the top of the cab was like had the wrap of the end all mandates so they're absolutely uh, quite a few indigenous folks and I was listening to the, the CV and you heard like 
different indigenous folks talking like uh, giving support. But again, I don't know if that counts as visible left elements, though. I feel like that would be like, I don't want to speak for them. Uh, yeah, that's the Coots border thing. That's the, the, the other issue. There's a lot of South Asian truckers uh, who are like stuck in. Oh, we got Echo now. Oh, that's me. My bad. I'm All right. Sorry. No worries. Yeah. It was just echoing on me. Um, okay. Did you experience to see any aggressive behavior? Or mostly just, I didn't see any aggressive behavior. I was being. Uh, it, like I, I was, if you want to check out Rob Russo's stream from Saturday, I was calling in. I was being very friendly, very nice, was being confrontational. So that meant most people weren't being confrontational with me. And also I was streaming with just basically my phone. So no one really took me as like a journalist because I wasn't really down there as an official, an official journalist capacity. I was just sort of talking to people and documenting it. Um, uh, there was a narrative that it was wholly white. Well, I was organized by a white nationalist uh, in, uh, oh, God, now that I've said it, uh, what's his name? Fame, name. The guy who said it would, uh, this would end in bullets. Oh. The one you were talking about last night. Pat, Pat King. King. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's got, he's got some uh, very, yeah, he's got some uh, quite questionable uh, connections and statements, especially are surrounding this. Um, so, and like you saw that the like the swastika flags, so that's that's the other one where it's like with the Canada flag when the swastika is painted on the Canada flag. That one's like, are these guys Nazis? Or are they saying that the Canada is being Nazis for doing this to them? So that one's you can that one can kind of go either way. Um, I wouldn't advise it one way or another. Whatever your political statement is, I don't think you need to use swastika. If it, like if you're trying to make if you're trying to make an anti-Nazi uh, like statement, right. you don't need to use a swastika because it's just going to get shit muddled. Um, and it's like I was, yeah. yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't you? Why, why would you not um, march with somebody who was flying the swastika? Why, why not? What, uh, what harm could that be? No, there are tons of uh, Confederate flags. Uh, I did see it was not. It's not to, not to say this in the same breath to make the comparison. Uh, the one I did, one I had like didn't I kind of recognized it and I had to ask what it was specifically. It's the sort of the like Quebec revolutionary flag where it's red, white, uh, white and green. Kind of looks like the Italian flag right. and it has the guy marching with the musket. Right. I forget which one. I forget the name. Of, I think it's La Flesh, Battle of Flesh or something. I don't know off the top of my head. Um. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, either way, as in, like, it could go as in there. It, it, yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want to give them credit by saying, "Oh, they were." You shouldn't use. It. Don't fly a flag with a swastika. That's my. That's my. That's Stu's advice. Well, the part that got me so upset was that um, people were saying, "Well, just because there's a few people who are out here." Um, wearing or flying the swastika or because they're walking around with motorcycle jackets that were patched with um the names of neo-nazi organizations just because people were out there marching with like anti-immigrant rhetoric or anti-trans rhetoric or any of that shit they're like oh mm -hmm. well you know it's just a few people they're not representative of the whole and it's like well <clears throat> when there's enough people with reactionary politics that you see marching around uh this demonstration you would think that if you don't want to be associated with them, you tell them, hey, you're not welcome, GTFO. Or at mm -hmm. least, like, make some show that, uh, make some show, uh, 
that you don't agree with their points of view, but nobody was doing any of that. They were just like walking around freely. Like nobody was yelling yeah. at them. Nobody was trying to like push them out of the, uh, out from in front of cameras and so on. So I would assume, I don't know, like the way, the way that saying goes is what, um, if you have, if you have nine uh, people at a table and a Nazi sits down and 11, uh, yeah, exactly. If you have one Nazi sitting at a table and 10 people sit down to eat, you now have 11 Nazis, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, and here's the other question too. Cause I even saw some people who um, were trying to insinuate that like, you know, this is a uh, populist energy that leftists need to capture. So you are going to get some of that reactionary element and uh, we're implying things like, Oh, well, um, uh, if you uh, oppose this movement, they are opposing workers and, and leftists need to just suck it up and understand that this is how some of these people's politics are to which I say, so what does that mean for somebody like me? I'm supposed to just like be cool with people that are cool with Nazis or be cool yeah. with Nazis the, myself? The, like, get the fuck out of here. The working people I care about right now are yeah. the working people who work minimum wage jobs or server jobs at the restaurants that, in downtown that were supposed to be open on Monday or the yeah. people who work at the mall who need to go there to make their pay their rent who can't or the people or who just work anywhere else downtown who are getting harassed on their way home. Those are the working people I give a shit crap about right now. Um, I don't know why I'm censoring myself on swear words right now, but uh, <laughs> like I, 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 I do not care about these dudes who have been having a, like, let's, it's a, it's a tailgate in downtown Ottawa for almost five for six days now. It's day six. Cause I got there on Friday. So I don't know what, what exactly I'm supposed to uh, uh, engage with them on when it comes to like the needs of workers. Cause right. the needs of workers right now are those people living who are actually live in Ottawa who need to pay their rent and can't because of the truckers blocking the, all of the major streets downtown. All right. Uh, just real quick. I want to take, uh, cause uh, Gregory has been waiting patiently to uh, make a comment. So I just want to take a call oh. from him and um, you know, Stu, while, while he's asking the question, um, you're going to have to stay quiet till he's done asking the question. Cause there's going to be a bit of an echo. Um, all right, Gregory. Yeah, go no ahead. All good. Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, not too uh, bad. How are you? Good. Thanks man. I appreciate it. Hey, uh, just a couple things. First off, uh, you never fuck with truckers and trash men because they can really, really screw <laughs> things up real fast. As uh, we found out in Toronto a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just down where I'm in San Diego. Uh, I'm just outside San Diego, but they stopped picking up trash. And, oh, man, real quick, things get bad. So, um, But, yeah, I, I just wanted to make a counterpoint to the argument of when you're saying, hey, you know, the workers of the mall and, and you know, servers and stuff. And, you know, I own a fast food restaurant, so trust me, I understand. But there is, you know, civil dissent. And you're making the same arguments that, you know, when Dr. King was organizing marches and stuff that, hey, you know, the, 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 all the white people were making these saying, oh, well, people can't go to work and, you know, they're they're, you know, blocking things. So then they stopped, uh, you know, allowing them to drive cars and then they weren't allowed to ride the bus. And so, you know, these guys were walking and I mean, they just made up every I is, I don't know that I would say it's the same thing uh, in the sense that I don't. Okay, is it a problem that uh, when, a, when a protest march happens, like a march that happened... Okay, for example, on Saturday, I was uh, filming a protest march in downtown Toronto. 
So during the time that the march was happening, people were not able to use Yonge Street from Dundas to Bloor Street. Uh, so police were directing traffic around those streets. Now, is it inconvenience for people that were going about their day? Yes. Is it also important that these issues be brought to light? Also, yes. So if the truckers are, um, you know, if they're, on, if they're on a convoy down like a main street in Ottawa, is it a problem? No, people should be able to engage in protest. Is it a problem when they're engaging in protest and they're honking their horns all night, like honking their horns all through the night, like two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning, such that like people nearby can't get sleep because all they're hearing is the sound of truck horns going off. Yeah, it's a problem. I think um, it's I mean, frankly, it's, it's a bit obnoxious. It's one thing if like a protest march happens and it's loud or whatever, um, even if it's at nighttime. I mean, a protest is a protest. If the truckers like marched uh, or like drove their trucks and they were like shouting into megaphones or so forth, like, yeah, that's one thing. But you're, you're using your vehicle to ensure that nobody around the neighborhood gets any sleep. I think that's a bit different. Uh, and I don't disagree. I don't, you know, I, I agree that, hey, they should be, you know, blowing their horns or whatever. But, I mean, you look at Occupy, Occupy Wall Street. I mean, that completely shut down the downtown. And, I mean, I think no, they definitely. I was at yeah. Occupy Wall Street. I mean, I was at, I de- yeah. the, there was a lot of camping happening. In, uh, in, well, I mean, okay, so I'm familiar with Occupy um, Wall Street, which was at this little, like, it was called Zuccotti Park. But basically, yeah. it was like this little parquet, like a concrete parquet in front of an office building. Um, I'm actually familiar with Occupy in San Diego and I'm familiar with Occupy in Toronto. Um, I, I'd been to all three and I will say that the amount of space that all three of those actions took up was fairly minimal. Occupy Toronto wasn't even in the middle of the downtown Toronto core. It was, um, at St. James Park, which is like east of the, the main areas in the downtown core. Um, nobody really even like aside from, you know, like yoga in the park or people who are just like walking or feeding pigeons or whatever, like it wasn't disrupting anybody's day. So I would push back on you there to say that it was massively disruptive. And I'm not saying it was not, okay. I guess I didn't put it quite right. I'm just saying a whole bunch of people were saying, oh my gosh, they're blocking everything. It's, you know, it's terrible down here. People are just not using restrooms the whole nine yards. I mean, you saw it on the news, you know, I'm, I'm coming from the point of, you know, they, it was a million ideas of saying that this thing, how come it's wrong and what it's doing when, you know, I think they were they were right what they were doing, but it's not how it was portrayed in the media by, a, let's say, mainstream media. Um, and so there's always that side of things of, you know, I'm, I'm, when the demonstration, you know, just like you were saying, hey, the Nazi flag and all that shit. I, I don't agree with that, but. I wouldn't say like, you know, when the black, when BLM was protesting, there were people who then went out and, you know, were burning down buildings and looting and stuff, but that wasn't BLM, you know? So you can't sit there and say, well, but that's how the media portrays a lot of it is that was the BLM movement that was doing that. And it wasn't, it was a certain sect of those people and they couldn't stop them from doing it and nor were they should try to, you know? Well, but the, the difference is that the people who are flying the, 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 the flags with the swastikas on it and the Confederate flag, they're in the protest being surrounded by protesters who seem fine with it. Um, and also, if these truckers were like encamped out and just occupying the actual field in front of parliament that's empty basically right now, I would like and not like actually doing six trucks wide down major arteries uh, all throughout the city. 
and coal roll. Like, it's not just the horns. It's the constantly revving their engines so that they're basically coal rolling all of these neighborhoods and themselves most of the time. Uh, that I like, I would, if they were on tents and doing an Occupy Wall Street, like Occupy Parliament Hill, I would have much less uh, uh, criticisms of them. But the, right now, the only, like, Trudeau is not in Parliament Hill. He is fine right now. The only people they're harming or, uh, like, really uh, making d- uncomfortable are the actual people who live downtown in the city who, like, can't sleep because the horns are literally going 24-7. And like I said, I get that. I, I mean, they, I mean, that's bullshit, you know what I mean? But it's like... I don't know. It just seems like we, we, you get so many different views from media of what things are and what protests are and what, you know, it just makes it very frustrating to hear anybody who's, we'll use January 6th, okay? There was absolutely a protest that was going on. And then there was a bunch of dumbasses who decided to, you know, riot and loot the Capitol. And so, hey, I'm fine with the guys that were protesting. You know, they thought if they thought the election was stolen, no problem. But I wouldn't lump them all in together and make it, you know, where they were trying to overthrow the gut. The entire group was trying to overthrow the country. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, to the extent that like and frankly, I'm I'm not even of the opinion that January 6th was even something to be all that fussed about. Like, I, I'm not of the belief that this was a uh, a coup or a coup attempt. I, I, I think agree. January 6th was like a lot of people letting off steam um, because they had a lot of impotent energy and rage to blow off and they had no idea what was going to come next. Like there was no plan B. I think they thought that if they stormed the Capitol, that um, Republicans in Congress were going to end up having their backs. Donald Trump would have their backs and something was going to happen. There was no next step. But I think with the trucker convoys, it's actually I would actually say it's a lot more well thought out than the January 6th protest. So um, even uh, me- liberal members of the media that are implying that this is Canada's January 6th, I would actually say, no, this is a lot more uh, well thought out than January 6th was. Like there is a step two, three, and four. So by showing up to downtown Ottawa and blocking off streets, blowing their horns and so on, what they're doing is putting... Um, members of the federal government under pressure, as well as uh, uh, for um, crossings, like border crossings in Alberta, for example, uh, that are right now causing lineups of trucks that are waiting, like they're snaking their way down the highways, waiting to deliver goods into the United States. The plan here is to stop those goods from moving out of the country or to stop any goods from moving into the country until the vaccine mandates are repealed. Um so I, I think that from a tactical standpoint, it what they're doing makes a lot more sense what people are than what people are on January sixth did. Do I disagree with their methods? Uh, only to the extent that they're um, blocking people who like blocking other truckers who want to be able to deliver goods in and out of the country. But if you, as a mass of people, decide that you're going to engage in mass protest action and force your government's hand on a matter that you highly disagree with. I, I think you should be able to do that. It's just a matter of when you do that and you're also making people's lives miserable as a result, 
not like miserable because you're interrupting the supply chain, which I couldn't really care less about, but that people simply aren't able to like go to and from work or get a good night's sleep. I think that's a problem. Yeah. And I, like at this point, six days in, I think if I could, if I, if I had to drop all of my criticisms and only have one left, it would be what hand are you forcing? What is it? That, uh, what do you want? What do they want Trudeau to do? Do they want a vote of no confidence? Do they want just a new election? Because I, I was down there on Saturday talking to a lot of them, and it was it, I didn't really get a good um, sense of what the actual end game is, other than just seeming to stay down there as long as possible. So I, I just yeah, want to know what, what hand they're forcing. I agree. I, I, I would like to see them come up with some, you know, sort of declaration of hey we want one you know a b c d e f g oh they and... have a they have a declaration they drew up what's called a memorandum of understanding and passed that on to the governor general i believe it was a long and rambling document that i'm not quite sure what they thought was going to get done with it but they did at least come up with a list of demands huh see i haven't seen that on the news that's the kind of stuff that drives you crazy that no one's talking about that you know uh frustrating i mean i can uh let's see i can see if i can find it right now um give me one second all right no worries thanks um uh, i have one but it's from the it's from the hill times uh but right. oh no it's an opinion piece so you're not gonna it's not gonna work <laughs> they didn't even link to it did they the hill times no. is like notorious for yeah, for doing that i'll just i'll google it later to see if i find yeah, some yeah, but there, articles there is or a something memorandum of understanding and it's yeah i'll like, check i'll look for it so yeah it's not a very coherent document but it is there so like i said like they do have a plan um and as far as the mandates go like i personally disagree with vaccine mandates i think vaccine mandates end up hurting more people than they help. I think I think that if you end up having to enforce a mandate, it's a public policy failure in and of itself because you're admitting that people don't have enough trust in your government to um, want to go ahead and, and uh, get the vaccine. I think if um, workplaces decide that they don't want employees in the workplace um, who haven't been tested or who haven't been vaccinated, that's one thing. That's entirely their prerogative. I think that if private facilities decide that they want uh, only people who either have been tested, um, have been vaccinated, or have an exemption for such, that's their prerogative. I think when the state steps in and starts enforcing those mandates, then you've got a bit of a problem, unless you're doing everything you possibly can to ensure that people have the necessary social support, that they can, like that the vaccine is available to them, uh, that is convenient, that if they uh, have um, longer lasting symptoms after they've gotten the vaccine that they have paid time off. Um, if they uh, require social supports to be able to get it, i.e. if they need to pay for a babysitter to watch their kids while they go out and get the vaccine, if they uh, have to uh, um, travel farther than what normally somebody would have to go to uh, their local pharmacy because not every single pharmacy has it. So if they need to uh, travel and pay for it, then they should be able to get like a, a voucher of some kind or a reimbursement. If you're not making it as widely available as humanly possible, I mean, to the extent that you have like, I don't know, like mobile vaccine clinics, like rolling from street to street, I don't know, maybe not necessarily knocking on doors, but letting people know like, hey, the vaccine truck is coming by. I mean, like, 
there are all kinds of measures you can take to ensure that people get properly vaccinated. And when you get to the point where it's like, well, you have to go do this on your own time, on your own dime. Otherwise, you can't go to work. Oh, and if you get fired from your job because you haven't gotten vaccinated, we're also going to disqualify you from EI. Then all you're doing is coming up with a carceral solution for a public health policy problem. And that's a failure of the government because if your only solution in government is to punish people into doing the right thing, you you aren't necessarily a government. You are, I don't want to go as far as saying dictatorship, but this is that authoritarianism that people keep on moaning about when they talk about other countries. And it's all, there's also a level of, what is the actual utility of the vaccine mandate when nearly, basically 90% of truckers are already vaccinated? Uh, and whether or not you agree, and whether or not you agree with the trucker protest, the fact that there is vaccine mandate on truckers happened and then we had these protests and maybe there wouldn't have been this protest without the vaccine mandate so i don't know if we actually benefited that much in the long run from having this mandate i didn't think i don't think truckers were that big of a like a community spreader i mean there's I, i just i'm gonna take a shot in the dark i'm not a trucker but i assume there's probably not a lot of workplace spread when you're a trucker when you're the just the dude driving a truck um, they have a lot of time to isolate. I think they probably, with 90% vaccination, I think we would have been fine without it. What was the actual utility of having this mandate? Well, the, was it the just big be- issue, yeah. I want to say, Stu, the big issue has actually been um, more the uh, the workplaces, like the um, warehouses that they end up um, uh, Yeah, duh, fair for. enough. There have been super spreader events at like meat packing facilities, at uh, um, fruit and vegetable uh, packing facilities and so on. But um, it's... Yeah, the trucks are going yeah. somewhere, Stuart. Yeah, they have to drop these their packages off somewhere. Exactly. But it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 83 to 87% of truckers are currently vaccinated. So that's actually in line with the Canadian national average. Like, the truckers are as vaccinated as your average Canadian is vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So if here's the thing. If you have... Um, if If in the course of your public policy planning, you have decided that 90% of the population doing a thing is not good enough, then maybe whatever it is that you're doing, that should not be the centerpiece of your policy. So if you're counting on 90% of the population, sorry, 100% of the population to get vaccinated, that's just not a reasonable Mm-hmm. Um, number because you can't get a hundred percent of people to do anything. How many people voted in the last election? Less than sixty percent, right? How many? Uh, how many? How many people file their taxes on an annual basis? How many people get their vaccinations anyway? Re- like regardless, like to keep up with their uh, their vaccine boosters, etc. How many people visit the dentist? How many people eat healthy? Like yeah. you can't get a hundred percent of the population to do anything. So Is it? It starts. Yeah. Oh yeah. It starts to feel like they're just trying to put a feather in their cap to try to get that number as high as possible. Because I don't actually think they they reasonably believe that they will ever get a hundred percent vaccinations no, without it's, it's doing impossible. without doing mandatory. We're coming to your house and we're going to put it in your arm whether you like it or not. Unless I don't think they, they, they think do that. Like they did in like you know Boston and New Jersey in the old days where they had you know trucks going door to door and kicking tenement doors in and like grabbing pe- grabbing children out of their parents arms 
and throwing them into an orphanage because their parents hadn't gotten vaccinated. Like, unless you're willing to do that, it's just yeah. not going to and be. And barring possible. that, and we know you don't expect to get 100% vaccination. And we're already ba- almost at 90, 90 plus in, mo- in a lot of places on the average. How much of a percent gain are you really looking to gain from this? And is it really worth it in the long run? I know we're getting overrun with, uh, like the hospitals are getting overrun at, or well, not, they're not getting overrun, but they're like, they're getting filled up. We still have a bunch of uh, cases in uh, ICUs and in emergency rooms. There's a lot of cases. Is this still the best way to do it? Or are you just admitting you're not willing to do anything else besides these mandates and pushing the responsibility onto the individual? And also, are you just trying to get that number as high as possible? So you can go, look, we have one of the highest, vaccination rates in the country and we did that it's I, and what are you actually going for if it's not so, so the the thing is that um if you look at uh, we keep going back to china but i mean this is really the only um comparison as far as like a you know a major country that is uh economic definitely the other end of the spectrum right 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 um so you can't compare it to like, I don't know, like Venezuela or Cuba or whatever, because these are countries that are under, you know, crippling sanctions and are not able to deliver healthcare effectively to their people anyway. But mm-hmm. if you look at the uh, the China approach, I mean, what has been done here? So uh, a few weeks ago, you know, I saw, was it the Washington Post that was um, saying that Chinese people have to make do on delivery of vegetables to their homes and it's like yeah make do what do you well <laughs> is, it, it, is anybody here getting free food delivery i haven't seen that so far here's the thing here's the thing i like i think this is a matt chrisman joke that i'm stealing but they're like if they, we wanted to do like these sort of lockdowns in north america they'd have to nationalize pepsico and mcdonald's so they could they could send deliveries to people so we get our treats I, like people would not be able to sustain themselves on fresh fruits and vegetables and like for a lot of people. Right. Um, Not only that, uh, you know, they had um, mobile, uh, like hospital, mobile medical facilities is a better way to put it. They did have pop-up hospitals. I mean, um, very shortly after our lockdowns began, you'd see like these, uh, these, these videos on social media of these hastily constructed um, uh, collaborative hospitals uh, that, that got uh, erected around various, uh, city centers, but there were also like um, essentially hospitals that were a little more than like large plastic tents, where people were walking around in hazmat suits, and uh, people would get access to medical care twenty four seven if they um, had tested positive for COVID. On top of that, there were social measures such as um, paying for rent, so people's rents would be subsidized by the government, so people would be paid themselves or their landlords would be paid directly. Um, Businesses uh, received, uh, and not, you know, like large businesses, but like mom and pop shops, like you know, medium and small size businesses also did receive grants as well as low to no interest loans. Um, there was like a mass mobilization across China that took place to stop people from going outdoors. And their vaccination rates are somewhere close to ours. So uh, the thing I don't understand is like, if they have a similar rate of vaccinations that we have and they're embarking on this covid zero strategy and they've been regardless of whether you believe there's less than five thousand people in order for there to be death on the scale that canada and the u.s have in china like if they were on scale with the rest of us 
we'd be talking about like tens of millions of people dead. And I, I just don't see how it's possible for a government to cover up a, a, a death scale that large. So we, we know that it hasn't been anywhere nearly as bad as ours. But they offered social benefits in addition to lockdowns. Um, vaccine mandates have been uh, enforced on a municipal basis, not a federal basis. So they haven't had federally regulated industries, for example, and they haven't had uh, federal laws pass that everybody in China has to have the vaccine. Otherwise, we're taking away your rights to move about freely. What's yeah. happened is that there are cities that have done this and they've done it against the advisement of, uh, of the, uh, the federal government. Some workplaces have enforced mandates. Some cities have asked for vaccine passports to be added to the WeChat, etc. But there is no broad-based social policy that says you have to have the vaccine or else you can't go into a store or a library or a restaurant or whatever. And there isn't a broad-based mandate. We have all of those things. And look how we're doing. Yeah, you got to have the carrot and like... You, you can argue about whether or not the size of the stick China used was was too big. But they also had a lot of carrots that they're offering as well. And like Canada and the U.S. offered like some carrots in the beginning. They offered some money and supports on on. It's more and more just the stick, like do what we say or we'll find you or you can't go to the the um, the movies or you can't go to the restaurant if you don't have the vaccine but they're also not they're they're just like penalizing you for not getting the vaccine and less so much like here are the rewards here are the benefits for you like to get the vaccine and saying you get to go back to normal isn't really like a benefit saying you are free like if you were if if we had to go into lockdowns to do this coming out of lockdown is not a reward it's just what was supposed to happen and increasingly i haven't seen any sort of that's my whole the metaphors there's no carrot anymore it's just all stick right well uh gregory thanks for your call appreciate that oh yeah guys hey thanks hey, hey take it easy all right take um, care so yeah uh so aside from the uh you know the as people have been calling it the flu trucks clan mm -hmm. uh, what uh what else have we uh we've been looking at because well I, speaking I of I, like Speaking yeah. of actual like uh, like like mandates and stuff, like the um, yesterday, uh, Legault had to walk back and nix his sort of unvaxxed tax uh, yeah. knockout. Panda just mentioned that, but it's he just said we're not going to do it anymore because it's too divisive. And it's like, well, why did I don't know? Why would you fly you... in the first place? Yeah, I don't know who's advising. How do you think it was going to be? How do you think people were going to take that? Yeah, it's the same thing as when he was like, "Well, we're going to do a vax mandate on nurses." It's like you don't have enough nurses, dude. Yeah. Why would you piss them off now? Two, like almost two years in. Because, like, you can all, like, everyone says, well, they shouldn't be uh, unvaccinated uh, and doing their job. It's like they were unvaccinated doing their job for the majority of the pandemic. And we were fine with it. And I know it's different now that we do have, a, a, like, a, a vaccine. That is a big difference. Right. But when you're at a point where you were already losing nurses and they were working, like, double shifts, didn't have any backups at the time, and then you add a pandemic on, on it. You can't even afford to lose the unvaccinated nurses. So we had to walk that back as well. It's just, I, again, all carrot, no stick. Oh, all stick, no carrot. God damn it. Yeah. Well, um, do we want to talk about Aaron O'Toole? Yeah, no, I want, yeah, I, I, we want to do some Aaron O'Toole dunks. Oh, my God. 
I, I just I have to ask, like, what what are the conservatives? What are they thinking? I I just okay. So if you're not aware, um, the conservative leader Aaron O'Toole, uh, who what, shoot, when did he even get chosen as leader? I completely forget when that race happened. It was so uneventful. It was after the 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 last like this two elections ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that, but, but uh, let's see. It was um, oh, August of 2020 was when. Yeah. Had... Oh yeah. Okay, 520 okay. days was, ago. Yeah, That's not even paying attention. That was yeah. Because August of 2020, I was I was uh, I was in like the middle of like a COVID fever, like and not mm-hmm. like because I actually had COVID, but just because like I was having a trouble paying attention to what was happening in the news because 2020 was, was 2020 was a pretty wild time. Yeah. And um, so. Uh, for American listeners in the audience, Aaron O'Toole is a an old school. This is going to sound really weird, but I promise this is a thing in Canada. A progressive conservative, in the sense that the older conservative parties, prior to the early, like the late '90s and early 2000s, and I'll, I'll give you the whole timeline on this. But uh, there was a conservative party that was generally thought to be socially progressive. So on matters like a woman's right to choose, um, I would say like same sex marriage, I think was, he was the, he was the guy who got the, the conservative party to vote, uh, down the, the, uh, the conversion therapy, like the, right, the, right, the, right, to, right. or to vote for the conversion therapy ban. Right. So under him, like the conservatives voted to, to, so like, that's like a one great example right there too. Just under yeah. his tenure. Yeah. O'Toole himself is, I mean, he is pro-choice. Um, he is somebody who uh, supports the, the he supports ending the, the blood ban. So in Canada, mm-hmm. if, uh, if you are same-sex attracted and you engage in same-sex relationships, you can't donate blood. Aaron O'Toole supports ending the blood ban. He supports uh, same-sex marriage. Um, Mm -hmm. he he said that he is supportive of going to the pride parade, but he was kind of weaselly because he said that he will march in the pride parade as long as police officers are welcome to march in the pride parade as well. Primarily because in Toronto, um, the pride organization, uh, voted that officers cannot march in pride in their uniforms. They can march in pride, just not in their uniforms, which I think is... I don't think it's an unreasonable request, but we're not going to get down that avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, he support like so he supported marijuana decriminalization um, way before um, marijuana was was even decriminalized. Like as a member of the Harper government, he actually did support decriminalization. But <clears throat> like progressive conservatives have generally been for things like getting rid of like workplace discrimination, um, equal pay for equal work, and generally not the kind of like regressive sort of like uh, uh, reactionary conservatism that you find in the United States. So this is where uh, people came up with that little adage that a uh, Canadian conservative is a U.S. Democrat. Something I say all the time, which I'm going to like at my whole point, I think my takeaways, I think after this, that is going to change. I think this is the, the, the like, Aero Tool was basically supposed you to be the conference. You think this is the election point? Well, he was, I think when, when he got elected, he was supposed to, because it was going to be supposed, uh, not, I keep wanting to say Patrick Brown, the guy from the the East Coast. 
Um, oh, um, Peter McKay? Peter McKay. Peter, I Peter thought McKay. Peter McKay was going to win, and then there was sort of like he fizzled out, and I think O'Toole was because he was supposed to be the so, com- compromise between hold, that sort hold, of... Hold, before you go too far down that avenue, I, I think we should also give a, li- a little bit of a background. So um, mm-hmm. Peter McKay was the leader of... So the Canadian Conservative Party is called the Conservative Party of Canada. Previously, it was known as two different parties. It was the Progressive, the Progressive Conservative Party of Canada and the Canadian Alliance. The Canadian Alliance was a rebranding of the Reform Party. The Reform Party is a far-right movement that began out in the prairies, out in Alberta primarily. And their raison d'etre was that um, oil-producing provinces were getting left out in the cold, while um, coastal provinces, primarily Ontario, Quebec, or I shouldn't say coastal, but like central provinces, Ontario and Quebec, as well as British Columbia, were benefiting from their hard labor and from their resources. So uh, the Reform Party emerged as not exactly like a separatist party, but like a populist party, primarily of like, you know, oil workers and and working class people from out in the prairies that just felt that they've been getting a raw deal. Um, But they also had very far right tendencies and the leader of that party um, was Preston Manning. Preston Manning had a, I guess like you call him a lieutenant, um, you know, he, they, he basically like his hatchet man, his, his whip. That guy's name was Stephen Harper. After the um, Reform Party rebranded into the Canadian Alliance, leadership passed over to a guy by the name of Stockwell Day. Stockwell Day led the party uh, through two elections, I believe, both of them ended up getting blown out. Um, there was like a lot more hype than actual substance. And when Stephen Harper took the reins as party leader after the ouster of um, of uh, Stockwell Day, uh, he approached newly appointed progressive conservative party leader um, Peter McKay with the possibility of merging their parties. Now, the funny thing is Peter McKay, when he was elected to the PC Party uh, of Canada or to the leadership of the PC Party of Canada, had promised that he would not um, merge with the Canadian Alliance because uh, many of the PC caucus believed that if the Alliance and the progressive conservatives merged, they essentially would drive out all of the social progressives but fiscal conservatives in Canada. They would essentially find themselves without a party. The party ended up merging anyway. Many of the caucus members left immediately in the aftermath and slowly, uh, those who hadn't immediately left were sandpapered out of the party altogether. So, um, Stephen Harper actually proved them all wrong. In the following election, he reduced the Paul Martin Conservative or the Paul Martin Liberal Party, or the Paul Martin led Liberal Party, to a minority in government. And then in the following election, ended up defeating uh, the Paul Martin Liberals. Uh, and then uh, began like a nine-year, um, essentially like a chokehold on a government. It wasn't just a government. It was essentially like, uh, I don't even know what to call it, areas of the bureaucracy that uh, that party-level politics had not touched before ended up being affected by the Harper government. Um, scientists were muzzled. Official documentation that went out that would have Government of Canada's uh, seal or aegis on it ended up being rebranded as Harper government materials. So not only did he exercise control over the legislature, he exercised control over the bureaucracy as well in a way that Canada hadn't really seen before. 
So um, Aaron O'Toole, for many people, I think, represented a return to the progressive conservative days. Even though um, Stephen Harper's uh, wing of the, the conservative party was seen as like the far right wing, as the reformers were seen as like the far right party, that party, which is now essentially the conservative government or the, uh, the conservative party of Canada, is not far right enough for the people in the trucker convoy, not far right enough for the predecessors, the yellow vests, not far right enough for the people that want to, in the West, they call themselves Wexiters, that want to essentially separate from the rest of Canada. So the party that used to be like the rightmost party in Canada are now seen as the waffling uh, rhinos or sinos, mm-hmm. conservatives in name only. Yeah. And well, that was, now. yeah, because that was because, it, and it's, I was just pulled this up and I found this very funny, but like Peter McKay was supposed to be from the progressive quote unquote end of the progressive conservative party or whatever. And O'Toole was supposed to be like the compromise with this sort of right wing of the party. Right. These like the polyever types. And it's basically, it's turned out that O'Toole was not compromising enough with that right end of the party. And this is great from O'Toole. It's like, he does worry that the ever growing influence of social conservatives within the movement could lead to more disappointment at the polls if Victor Aaron O'Toole can't keep them in check. Very prescient from Peter McKay, because that's basically also what happened. And not just in the polls, but also why Vic, uh, Aaron O'Toole is gone because of the social conservatives want him out. And he didn't probably, I guess, I, I I feel like it might be too petty, but I don't think this is actually too petty for the conservatives. Because he didn't show enough, uh, like, uh, solidarity with the truckers. And that might have been, I think that might have been he was straw, honestly. Like he not was enough. He was not yeah. enough. He, yeah, but he criticized them. He said there were. He said there was. There's issues with. I don't think he showed enough deference to the truckers, and that was that was enough. Because I think there's some of the party who might have actually seen what was happening as a way to get Trudeau out, maybe. But because it is the timing is incredible that it, just, it happened right now, in the midst of this. Right. Like the so, first thing they did back almost. Right. I mean, what what do you think is um, the next steps for the conservatives? Because I, I, I kind of see um, uh, Pierre Poilievre as a Boris Johnson type in a way. And remember, uh, after, after, um, after uh, oh my God, Margaret, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, why am I Theresa May? Politicians? Huh? What? No, 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 no. Theresa May? Ther- yeah, ther- after Theresa May's, th- who's th- Theresa May's predecessor again? David Cameron. Yeah. After, okay. yeah, after David Cameron's resignation as party leader, um, all eyes were on Boris Johnson. Uh, this is when he was still the mayor of London as to whether he was going to step in mm-hmm. for um, consideration as, as leader of the Conservative Party. And he said no. He actually said that it wasn't his time and he was going to support whoever stepped in as uh, party leader, which ended up being Theresa May. And turns out to be a complete fucking lie on Boris Johnson's part because uh, he was at the at every step of the way as Theresa May was trying to on the one hand balance um, Britain's interests um, and not trying to force the uh, the Brexit issue but on the other hand trying to appease the Brexiters Johnson uh, Johnson was in the background basically like undermining her and um, 
giving, I don't want to say like tacit support to the UKIP types, but at the very least parroting their talking points, uh, which heavily undermines Theresa May. And of course, um, she went down in ignominy and that off- offered him the opportunity to step up as party leader. And I see Poilover as the same type. I don't think that he would step into the vacuum just now. I think that somebody else may take the fall. I'm just not really sure who. Yeah, yeah, because I think I, I'm pretty sure I'd have to double check this, but I think whoever's the interim re- leader can't run as leader, and like whenever there's an election called, they'd have to get a new leader before then. So that was that was going to be my guess as Pierre comes in as interim leader, comes in as an attack dog slash hatchet, hatchet man, does as much damage because he's good at that and attacking like the liberals um, until they find someone with a little bit of a higher charisma score than him uh, who can actually make these ideas a little bit more palatable to, I guess, because I don't think it's it's that it's a big enough, like, size of people in the country that, like, Polly ever appeals to that could actually take down Trudeau. So, yeah, I mean, Michelle Rempel is another possibility. Um, yeah. Um, does Patrick Brown throw his hat How is she going to convince... How is she going to convince, you know, how is she going to convince Canadians to vote for her when she's got half of us blocked on Twitter? Yeah, or, yeah, I, or they, or she might uh, it'd be hard to convince them like she's actually in Canada half the time Yeah, before that. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's, um, we've got people saying Leslie Lewis again. I don't know if she tries again. This is all, this is Brian Lilly again. So I think that was a great assault. Um, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe one of the Mulroonies. There's oh, like, like a, three like of them now. Mulrooney? No, I don't think so. I don't. I don't yeah, no, long shot. It is a long shot because like none of the Maroonies have been particularly well. Uh, Caroline, that's not true. That's yeah, not that's true. what I, I was. I was trying to remember her name, but that was yeah, I think no, specifically no. the three Mulrooney, of them. I don't see leaving the Doug Ford government to run no. for leadership of the federal party. I think she's got enough trouble on her hands as it is. Um, with the uh, um, the Ford government clusterfucks in Ontario. Oh, who's the other one with that? She's got the sort of like kind of and, like. And uh, on top of that, like if there is a like a populist swing in the Conservative Party, um, you got to keep in mind that Doug Ford's government isn't the most popular among those types either because of the lockdowns in Ontario. Who's the one with the spiky hair? She's got like dark uh, Rachel Maddow vibes. Melissa Lansman. Yes, she might be. She oh, could. She might do God. it. Oh my God! Yeah, no, I don't see. No, I, I don't. I don't see it for her, unfortunately. No. Um, I'm, I, I hate to say this, but I don't think that the Conservative Party is. Um, I don't think they're anywhere near tolerant enough. Like the current party, as mm-hmm. it exists, is not tolerant enough to elect a lesbian woman as their party leader. It won't happen. Yeah. That's uh, it's <laughs> by God. Is that Stephen Harper's music I hear? <laughs> yeah, I don't think Stephen Harper's going to come back to lead the party either. No. I think he's I think he's happy collecting his pension and um, basically you know, running the party. The from... He's basically like he's like by himself. He's the Waldorf and Statler from the Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he's, and he's, yeah. he's he's still got a lot of sway from I probably in behind the scenes, but he's. Right, no, he's busy, like consulting with the you know the businesses that he consults with. He's happy with his board appointments. 
he's happy with, um, you know, traveling around the world and giving speeches at conservative institutions. He's, I don't yeah. think he's coming back. Well, uh, we, we do have to admit, like basically seconds after Aaron O'Toole had been voted out, uh, John Williamson, he's from New Brunswick, uh, he uh, announced he would be running for interim leader. So we can't leave him out of the ring because we know for sure he's running. Yeah. Just don't know if he's going to win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be, I think that they'll have one by like, they're doing the voting today. So they'll have one by like around 7 p.m. tonight. So I will be, t- follow me on Twitter, left hand stew, because I will be all over that. Uh, it's going to be very funny. Whoever the yeah. heck. What is, what does Leslie Lewis do exactly? Like, no. I just whatever an like what does an any MP do on I mean no it's just like <laughs> like I know she's a lawyer um but I'm just not sure like where it is that she came from although like there are I don't know there there's uh if you if you if you like pay attention to Twitter spaces this this happens every so often like the conservatives will just like form up um mm-hmm. like Canada geese in the autumn and discuss conservative politics. Have you ever like gone into one of those spaces and just listened in? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I've ever seen any of them because I probably don't follow the right people. Okay, you probably hate follow the, the right people. I will say that um, I don't hear them talking about the pu- the future of the party very much. I really don't. I don't. I hear them talking about like how to bring the Trudeau government down, about loss of freedom, about supporting small businesses. Uh-huh. individual rights, so on and so on. I I just don't hear them talking much about... I mean, obviously, they have to be in, like, in their own circles, not in public. But, yeah, there aren't really very many conversations as to what the future of the party is supposed to look like. Well, I think that's also maybe kind of like it's federal liberal creep where they've just sort of amalgamated so many squishy different ideas from their, like, quote-unquote left and right that it's like there wasn't really any space for the conservatives of like maybe even five years ago to uh, differentiate themselves that much from the liberals other than just sort of these sort of like uh, fringe attacks, not, not really anything substantive that the liberals are doing that the conservatives really disagree with other than sort of like cultural war stuff. Do you think that um, Aaron O'Toole's quads can run on their own? Um, no, I, well, like, like, that picture's so funny because it's like they did do a very good job on that Photoshop on his belly. It's great. <laughs> the shadows are so wrong. It's like yeah. where are those shadows? Why are there, where are the shadows coming from, buddy? Uh, if yeah, it's it's great. It's he he because that's just kind of the thing is they had to the, that po- photo kind of is a great analogy because you had to have all of these outside people give him form. Right. He didn't really. He, he tried. He was like, I'm the true blue conservative, and then he tried to maybe go to the right so well actually i'm more right than that I just, that didn't work he didn't really have the whole thing no one really knew him he was sheer had more personality than him mm-hmm. they honestly probably would have done better if they kept him sheer and gave him another shot quite possibly i don't know yeah but it yeah that's that's only time will tell who they pick and like i don't it, they'll have two years to I guess chip away at it, and maybe they'll be running against Trudeau in the next election. We, I, I don't know if Trudeau will run in the next election. If we do a full term, I, I don't probably see running in the next no. election. I think he's done. Uh, yeah, up for him. And it's actually a lot shorter than I thought it would be. I thought I thought initially that um, 
uh, you know, when he was running in or for party leadership in 2013, yeah, 2013. Yeah. Um, yeah. I initially thought that he would be like a Jean Chrétien liberal. Like he was mm-hmm. just going to be in the prime minister's seat forever. Right. Well, yeah. John Chrétien didn't do that much blackface, so that probably <laughs> hurt him. I'm like, no. he survived it, but barely. Yeah. I, I don't... No, I think it, the, the scandals eventually just caught up to Trudeau. Here's yeah. the thing. If you are if you have the name Trudeau, like, you have so much, I hate the word, or I hate the phrase political capital, but there is so much benefit of the doubt afforded to you mm-hmm. on any matter whatsoever, whether it's like a personal matter or a political matter, there's so much benefit of the doubt afforded to you. I haven't seen anybody with that much political capital squander it in such a short time as Trudeau mm-hmm. has. I, I've never seen it happen. Well, that's the thing. I like, I think that the, the, the word that it's the wrong word. He didn't have political capital. He had political daddy's credit card. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the fucking charges came due. He'd yeah. been spe- he'd been he'd been like handing out different like IOUs to all these different people, and the the check came due, and he yeah. didn't. I bet well, he didn't it's, have- even, it's not even like IOUs to IOUs to different people. It's mm-hmm. self inflicted gunshot wounds, like yeah. the the SNC fiasco. D- like SNC had been in shit since two thousand and eleven or twelve. Yeah. Sorry. When was the invasion of Libya? I forget off the top of my head. Was it 2011? But yeah. It, uh, yeah. They they had been in shit for years prior. 2011. For, yeah. Yeah. It was almost a decade. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what there was to be gained by hitching your wagon or trying to throw yourself before SNC to defend them from investigation or from uh, you know allegations of wrongdoing, etc. Because they ended up getting charged by the RCMP after the election anyway. Well, here's the thing. It's like, you're saying, why did he hitch his wagon to it? Like, in your rush to, like, who the fuck are the Kielbergers to him? You don't, like, the We Charity, uh, I I think you had to know at some point, just looking at this organization and how fast they rose and how cult-like the atmosphere was around them. That this mm-hmm. is something that could easily blow up in your face. Uh, so yeah. by putting all of your trust in the We Foundation, you're essentially hitching your political wagon to an organization that a lot of people didn't really know a hell of a lot about, and came across as a little bit too precious and had risen too quickly to be yeah. sustainable. Right? Like, did you did you get Coney? Uh, did you get like Coney vibes off of them, or was it just me? Oh yeah, no, they, like it was, but Tony was like it was, it was almost like almost right. more compressed. Like there was yeah. more. It was, it was the rocket fuel was so would burn so much yeah, faster. Yeah, the half life on Tony 2012 yeah. was very, very short indeed. Like it was, you you watched like the growth and decay of this thing happening in real time. It's almost like that yeah. episode of um, Black Mi- or uh, sorry, Love, Death, and Robots, where uh, this couple, one of them is like Topher Grace opens their freezer and sees like a civilization advancing at like hyper speed. Yeah. Right. Like, well, was, I think, yeah. yeah. The main difference is with we, the Kielbergers have been like raised like with, within this since like childhood, like Spartan warriors. So they, the, the, right. the, the field of battle that is making millions of dollars for like just doing speeches and everyone adoring you. 
they've like they've acclimatized to it. That dude came into it already as an adult, and just that he had maybe had like one Wii Day event thing that was like a third of the potency of a Wii Day event, and went insane and started jerking off in the middle of a like California yeah, street. Yeah, yeah. The Kielbert, like, have you? Did you, I, I mean you're you probably weren't in school, or have your kids ever gone to a Wii Day event? Or are they they're young. probably not old. Yeah, that's yeah. too too young. But I know, but like, I, know I, I know children that have gone to the Wii Day events and they're I've been to the Wii Day event. Weird. It's 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 just weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah, it's 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 the energy it's is like, incredible. Like manifesting peace on earth by just being cheerful enough. Mm-hmm. It's well yeah. it's 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 not manifesting peace on earth and be like we're gonna we're doing this and we're going to because yeah. we're doing this, we're somewhere in the future. Yeah. Uh, we're achieving. We're gonna achieve peace on Earth. It's, it's by being at We Day. Yeah. We are currently in this moment. Achieve by you listening to this Nelly Furtado concert. Yeah. You are achieving. Like you are ending child slavery. Yeah. That's what you're doing. And it's it, it, that's sort of like like sort of cyclical energy of like. Well, I feel good, so I like the Kielbergers are even better. And then the Kielbergers are telling me that I'm just as good as they are, and it just sort of like. This positive it's a feedback, feedback loop, loop. Of, yeah. yeah, of uh, twee white positivity energy, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, all so, their parents' checkbooks. So there's that, and then there was also the blackface fiasco. Now, it fiasco. Why? Why would you think for one moment that if you had done blackface in your past, that that's not something that you have to atone for at some point in the future? Why would you not get out ahead of that? Yeah, you have multiple like. Uh, like black painted swords of Damocles is hanging over your head and you're just like, yeah, I should run for leader of the country. This will never come out. Yeah. Knowing that, knowing that politics is blood sport and that nobody in Canadian politics has ever been taken down by personal scandal before. That didn't happen very recently to a certain mayor of Toronto. Nah. Yeah. You're, you're doing it multiple times. And it's the joke I made. It's like looking back on that India trip, that was a sign of restraint from Justin Trudeau. <laughs> the fact he was only wearing that costume, we yeah. should thank our lucky stars. Right. And then everything from that to, you know, uh, truth and reconciliation to environmental policy, you know, buying a pipeline. So, like, the amount of things that – and, and also um, – Making uh, truth and reconciliation a holiday and then flying over – two of the graves to go to your like BC cottage. Right. And then, uh, uh, voting reform, which you end up spiking anyway. Like, it, it, like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, wow, he really just reneged on just about every problem. I mean, granted there, there, I can't refrain from giving credit on, for example, the, uh, the, uh, the child tax benefit. Right. So like that mm-hmm. did help immensely. Um, there, there are, victories for the liberal government but at the same time we're i don't think that i've seen this many scandals erupt from one political party leader in such a short period of time uh, and that's even including donald trump because at least with donald trump's scandals they were in line with who you know that trump sorry one moment be. whereas with uh trudeau's scandals it was scandals where uh it told you that trudeau was Jesus Christ, dude. I'm going to have to mute you in a second. But yeah, it was, uh, it, for Trudeau, it was uh, scandals that told you that he didn't 
he wasn't who he advertised himself as in the first place. So I, I don't know. I, I hats off to him. I don't see him running for another election. Uh, I think he's already weathered too many scandals and I doubt he wants to put himself through another election. Um, but yeah, that being said, I mean, we're at a period of Canadian politics where nobody's happy. I, I don't think that there are very many people in the NDP that are happy with uh, Jagmeet Singh's leadership. I think um, this is kind of what happens when you have somebody that has all the trappings and aesthetics of, I would say, like social democratic politics. Like, because he, I don't, I haven't seen him use the word socialism. I haven't seen him talk about like or make a principled critique of capitalism or any of that. He does talk about, uh, for example, taxing the rich or that the, you know, the top one percent of Canadians have too much, need to share with the rest of us. I have seen him talk about environmental policy, talk about uh, reconciliation with Indigenous peoples in Canada, has said all the right things, but I haven't heard him make a principled critique of the way the system itself works, only individual facets of the system that he thinks need to be changed. And I think that's a very, like, sort of like left of the rural party, mild social democratic uh, form of governance and theory of change. And I think a lot of people in the NDP are completely dissatisfied with that, especially considering um, most of their uh, their election races in the previous two elections have swirled around his fitness for leadership. Can this is this somebody who can be the prime minister of Canada? And that question is overshadowed individual NDP candidates and even um, incumbent MPs to the extent that. They had to take time away from their own campaigns to effuse their uh, belief in his leadership ability. So you have a liberal party that is more or less enervated. Um, perhaps they're excited for Christian Freeland to step into Trudeau's shoes, but I can't believe, like I, I cannot honestly fathom that they are happy with, uh, with Trudeau's leadership right now and that they can weather another election. I can't imagine that the majority of NDP members are happy with Jagmeet Singh and the direction of his leadership. And obviously the conservatives are not happy with Aaron O'Toole's leadership. So Canadian politics is essentially this, this like this, this dark miasma of the soul where everybody, like nobody is happy, but nobody has any answers either. We're in limbo. This is, this is like, we're in like the, the outer layer of hell where nothing changes, but it somehow always gets worse. And it's just eternal because we're like we it hit this sort of stasis point where with Trudeau and like especially like I I don't have like I don't not to like speak ill of Jagmeet but it's like if you were if he was the leader of any other party he would not still be there and they would the, that party would be having serious discussions about is this is he taking us in the right direction like you just said um, but it's just sort of we, they, they don't they don't we we don't have any sort of things being mixed up. Because it's just sort of, we have this sort of minority uh, liberal stasis. Like I said, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah. So I mean, that's where we are now. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I don't have any answers. I think uh, it's going to end up getting worse before it gets better. I don't see us having an election until 2023 at the very earliest. And even when, like, when even that happens, unless the conservatives pick somebody that completely energizes the party or is able to capture 
the uh, lightning in a bottle that Donald Trump was able to capture in the populist mm-hmm. uprising that, towards the end of Obama's presidency. And unless uh, the NDP are able to, uh, unless Jagmeet Singh either uh, course corrects, challenges the labor aristocracy and speaks to, um, you know, lower income workers across Canada and, and gives them a reason to come out to the polls. I, I just don't see anything except for perpetual liberal victory under a Christian Freeland leadership. And not because Freeland offers anything particularly exciting, novel, interesting, or even beneficial to Canadians. I think it's just the default mode of being until something better comes along. You know who it's going to be. It's Mr. Wonderful. What? He's coming. Oh, my God. Kevin O'Leary. He's a coming. He's a coming. No. Oh, God. I've spoken it into existence, and like Uh, Sandra, no one will listen to my prophecy. Oh, my God. No. Okay, so he's saying that Kevin O'Leary is going to – Kevin O'Leary is uh, going to, um, you know, pull the bottle of, out of his wife's mouth. Uh, he's going to uh, clean himself up, um, you know, fly out from whatever sun-bleached area of the United States that he's currently staying in uh, and come into Canada fully tanned and ready for a political scrap. Yep. Kevin O'Leary is one of the dumbest, like, he knows how to make money because he, he made one really good sale. He made one really good, um, uh, he made one really good company sale way back in like the 1990s, I believe it was. And ever since he's, you know, crafted himself as this, uh, successful business, business magnet, his, his it's, fun, and it's, his it's the company, same story. Cause his just the way he has been, okay, let me go, let me go see what his yeah. company has been performing. At. But it just like Donald Trump was, was molded through, uh, American media to become this great, he's like this incredible businessman through dragons, Den and shark tank. Um, Shark Tank in the U.S., Dragon's Den in Canada, I believe, or do I have it backwards? Okay. Whatever the two, he's he's like he's Mr. Wonderful. He's the no nonsense. I I know money and I know business and I can make these decisions and all this shit. It's he it it it, it, it follows too many patterns. And Canada never has an original idea. We steal all of it from America, and you know it. It's just going to be a lamer, worse version Ugh. of Trump, and that's oh. Kevin O'Leary. Uh, and people I mean, have said it before; it's not an original idea. But what's the funniest option? And that's it. I'm trying to find uh, information on his O'Shares ETFs as to what the performance is. I can't find it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If you gave me a minute, I could probably pull it up. But I'm I, I'm not really that interested anymore. Oh, there we go. O'Shares ETF list. Ooh. Oh God. Uh, terrible. Uh, his funds mm-hmm. are his his funds are dog shit. So I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what he's been so good at. Um, he's on this like uh, he's on this crypto kick right now. I'm not mm-hmm. really sure. I mean, every you know uh, self-styled yeah. um, entrepreneur and is. is on a crypto kick. So I don't know. I have, I really have no idea what it is that he has to offer Canadians. And where it comes to politics, he's just plain stupid. I mean, I haven't I haven't okay I haven't heard him propose any policies. What he's done is come out and, and criticize Trudeau's policies as being um, too tax heavy. It's going to increase the tax burden on Canadians and put small businesses to flight and cause capital flight out of Canada. Um, you know, larger companies are going to leave. I'm getting deja vu. Oh God. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's all that. Like this, the same liberal, or sorry, the same conservative canards they've been trotting out since the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Matter, and the funny thing is, you know that this is not true because the most controversial uh, tax policy that Canada ever introduced, the goods and sales tax, when that was introduced, it was like 92 or 93 or something. Did we experience major capital flight? No. Nope. No, we didn't. Stuff got more expensive and people just absorbed it. Like they absorbed the loss. Big fucking deal. Do you, you think that HST. you think that introducing new tax brackets, which is actually something that, you know, um, is always threatened to happen but doesn't actually happen. It happened on the Ontario Liberal government under Dalton McGuinty, uh, where a higher tax bracket was introduced, but since then I don't believe there has been. And there's always this like this threat that it's going to happen. But do you think that the average Canadian believes that if a higher income tax bracket is introduced so that we're at more than 46% for the top earning Canadians. So if you're earning more than like, I think it's like $250,000, then uh, 46% of that's going to be taxed. Do you think the average person cares about that? No, no, the no. average person is never going to make that much. It's going to matter to them anyway. Do you think the average Canadian thinks that in the next election cycle, they're going to end, end up making that much? No. Yeah. No, but the thing, their new thing that they're accusing the, the liberals of doing sort of like a pre-crime accusation is the liberals are at some point in the future will be proposing some sort of house, housing equity tax, so tax oh, on right, the right, equity right. of your home. And that's their new button. They keep saying uh, they're going to propose it. And will you promise to never pro- propose it? It's like, sure. So it's, right. I think that's, that's their new thing is that that's what that would, if they can somehow uh, convince a bunch of uh, Canadians that the Liberals are, in fact, intending to do that, uh, that could work. Because that's a tax that a lot of Canadians would care about, because that's one of the few things they have any sort of uh, tangible wealth in, is the equity on their home. Yeah, and and their first home. So for any American listeners in the audience, the way home equity works in Canada is that on your primary residence, any capital gains on that, or shouldn't say capital gains, because uh, it's it's not considered the same as like an income property. But gains on your principal residence are not taxed as capital gains. So if you um, buy a home at like five hundred thousand dollars, and you sell your home at one million dollars, your gain is five hundred thousand um, dollars. In the U.S., your primary residence uh, is taxed for capital gains, but in Canada, your principal residence is actually exempt. From those gains, not only is it exempt from those gains, but um, when you pass that residence down in your will, so if you leave that principal residence to one of your children, or even in equal shares to all of your children, that principal residence is not taxed as it moves through the estate. So it essentially moves through the estate intact, is not taxed. If it ends up becoming their principal residence, then the appreciation of value accrues to them. Uh, they're not taxed for it either. So, I mean, it's it's certainly a way of um, sheltering income, and a lot of people do uh, keep plenty. Like they do have uh, plenty of equity in their principal residences to the point that they'll actually like forego investments outside of their principal residence and, and keep it in their primary home because you pass it on to your kids, and you know there's there's no tax on it whatsoever. And if you want to keep it for yourself, at any point down the road, you can always take out a bank loan and then um, the equity in the home uh, is the backstop for that bank loan or it's, it's what's essentially like uh, uh, the security for that bank loan. And uh, if you pass away before the loan is paid off, then it simply comes out of the equity of the home. So 
The bank has a lien on it. The bank lien is paid off using the remainder of the equity of the home, and it goes away. So it's basically like the house essentially becomes a replacement for uh, a portfolio, especially with the speed at which house, price, house prices are increasing, um, and they have been incredibly hot in the last six months. Um, it is a really good investment for Canadians. So, yeah, Stu is 100% correct. If you convince people that that investment strategy goes away, then it could turn people against the Liberal government. I just don't I don't see Christian Freeland introducing a policy that divisive, and I don't mm-hmm. see it being possible to convince people that that's what she wants to do. Yeah. Because they've been trying it for a while. She doesn't come from like, first of all, it's like she's the current minister of finance, right? And she's Mm -hmm. able to work her way up into that position. Christian Freeland is essentially like the Grim Reaper um, knocking on the prime minister's door, leaving several bloody doors behind her, right? Uh, So she ended up taking uh, the minister of finance position um, after uh, (laughs) Bill Morneau ended up having to resign in ignominy During the the Wee scandal. scandal. Yeah. Uh, and now she'll end up taking the prime minister's seat, or at least taking over as leader of the party, um, after the accumulation of Trudeau's scandals. And she she doesn't, you know, she can't be thought of as somebody who is, like, weak-willed and overly liberal and, you know, a social justice warrior and all these things that people try to pin on Trudeau and has somehow worked because they consider him less manly, even though he beat their own guy's ass in a boxing match, but that's another kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. Um he uh, uh sorry so so the idea that freeland is going to come in with anything besides austerity policy i think is kind of laughable and i don't see her as somebody who would introduce a policy that divisive she's no. always been deferential to the business class yeah she's not going to she's not going to do that that's it would, yeah you if you they couldn't convince uh people that trudeau was going to do it in the past couple of months they're not going to be able to convince uh people that freeland is going to do it Anyway, um, I think that just about does it for us today. Is there anything that you, else that you wanted to uh, cover? or? Uh, no, there is uh, just uh, speaking of uh, just sort of convergence of all this stuff, speaking of Pierre and the, the blockades downtown, someone did dig up this video of Pierre Polyevro speaking of uh, another blockade, and he had some uh, much different uh, opinions oh, on how to deal with that, if you want to watch okay. that. Uh, sure, we'll do that. Just to just to finish it off, because I think that it's it's a good uh, sort of very interesting for sure. Uh, laws and tools in place to combat it. Right now, what, the prime though? minister I mean, they, is. What should what? they do if they well, if the prime minister were to say? force the RCMP to go in, that could escalate things and backfire in a big way. Right now, the prime minister is globetrotting, campaigning for a UN Security Council seat. While here at home, uh, all hell is breaking loose. Our our economy is about to be turned on its head. Our entire transportation system uh, is being blockaded. We have CEOs of some of the largest employers in the country who are stepping forward to say that this is a crisis. And what we hear from the government is that they're observing the situation. You have the right to swing your fist, but that freedom stops at the tip of another person's nose. And right now... Just play the beginning of this for the column, guys. Oh. ...freedom of other people to move their goods and themselves where they want to go. All right, that was the rest of it. But I just thought it was very interesting. Just another blockade and pure... Like, 
for this one, and uh, he's going down and taking selfies with them. But <laughs> for a different block, Dave, he says, "Well, we should be put it like all the enforcement because they're blocking yeah. major arteries and the business interest needs to to get done." It's like, well, apparently, when it's downtown, auto he doesn't give a shit. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, shout out to him. Good luck to him. Uh, whatever his next uh, move may be. Um, as for our, let's see, do we want to raid left flank vets? How's that? Yeah. Sound? That sounds good. Okay. We'll go ahead and raid left flank vets. And everybody who's Let's in the chat, do it. Uh, say hi to left flank vets for us. Uh, be nice. Um, they're uh, really good and decent comrades. And, uh, yeah, any any other? Uh, no, just uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next, I think, on um, on Monday. Uh, yeah. What's so the next show we got scheduled? Yeah, and uh, Haley's got a very special projects cooking in the books for uh, everybody that will be releasing on the channel soon but i will let Haley speak on that i'm just just get excited because it's good stuff i can't say that we will see you soon have a good night guys happy 2-2